Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Go Behind the Ballot. I'm Claire Campos O'Neill. And I am Nicole Abshire. And you are tuning in to our mini episode. This mini episode is part of our food insecurity series, and we're sort of going to touch on that. It's going to be a little bit of a special mini episode um, because Nicole had a unique political experience recently, and we thought it would be fun for her to share that with me and with all of y'all so we can learn a little bit more about this organization um, where Nicole attended a meeting. So Nicole, tell us what happened. Or maybe we should back up and talk about our Tell us about how this happened. <laughs> yes. Well, let's do backup, right? It's the perfect way to also include how we listen to our listeners. <laughs> um, so we got an email from a woman named Judy, and Judy emailed to tell us about the Poor People's Campaign. That is, I guess the best way to put it, kicking off in Austin, and invited us to attend their meeting. And it was last Saturday, which was March the... Oh, boy. It was March. It was in March. It was in March. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll figure that out here um, while we continue to talk. Um, But anyway, attended the meeting and not really knowing when I walked in necessarily what I was walking into. And that's not from a lack of information from Judy, but just, you know, just willing to check it out. So... That's the beginning of the story, right? Really is pointing out that we're so grateful when we hear back from people who listen and who I think hear what we hope is the common thread running through our episodes, which is an interest in building up our knowledge about the social issues and political issues happening and our willingness to learn more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Judy was really kind to reach out to us. Um, I wasn't able to make it. I think I had like a birthday party, like a kid's birthday party, which is part of my life now that I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. But it was great that she was like, I heard your podcast and I feel like y'all would be interested in this topic. So she threw the invite out there. And Nicole was telling me that she ended up going. Uh, Judy, I believe the organizer of this event, also was listening to our podcast episodes and heard the one with Lawson Picasso. And as a quick refresher, she's a woman who shared with us her experience being food insecure and living in her car and just what that was like and how now she's advocating for systemic changes. So Lawson's incredible. Go hear that episode if you haven't heard it yet. So anyway, Judy hears that episode and she reached back out and she was like, hey, do you mind putting me in touch with Lawson? I was really moved by her story and I would love to have her come. And Lawson went too. So Lawson and Nicole got to meet each other in person for the first time. Yes. And it was like seeing a superstar, right? When she walked into the room, I was like, wait, is that, could it be? (laughs) And then sure enough, it was Lawson. Also, I want to point out too that when we went around the room and introduced ourselves and she introduced herself, people had the same reaction that I did, which is best name ever, right? Lawson Picasso. I mean, chef's kiss perfection. (laughs) So it was really cool. Yeah. I thought you were going to say people knew her like 
<laughs> I mean, they, hopefully one day they do. Cause I think we're not far off from that. Yeah. yeah. I have had this thought. I haven't shared it really, but if Lost never wanted to run for office, I'd be like, here's some money. You go and do it and make it happen. <laughs> All right. For those who are watching, Nicole's doing a little bit of relocating. Um, so... Yes, I, I, I'm a little bit familiar with the Poor People's Campaign. Well, I guess what my thought was when Judy reached out to us was I read this book about Martin Luther King and his final days. And in his final days, he was helping to work to organize the Poor People's Campaign. And I didn't realize that that was a big part of his uh, civil rights mission was, oh, yeah, like we need to eradicate poverty because that's a big part of the problem is the inequities in our system and it's connected to racial justice so that was what mike and my immediate brain went there what about you nicole did you have any um like initial thoughts that came to mind very similar to what you just said it was it was a familiar name um and definitely in my mind intertwined with martin luther king jr but nothing beyond that really in terms of detail or or yeah, what it really meant. So it was really great to show up and see so many people in a room from all sorts of backgrounds. I mean, when I tell you that it was a really diverse room, it was a really diverse room in every way that you can imagine diversity, age, race, um, role within the room. I mean, there were advocates, there were, I guess, what you would consider just like citizens, you know, people who are just wanting to attend and hear more, uh, faith leaders. Um, there was a man there who was a veteran who does a lot of grassroots work in his community around homelessness. Um, I mean, you name it. And, and everybody sort of, or m not everybody, but a lot of people seem to have kind of their most burning issue that they were bringing and hoping to shine a little light on. So there was police reform. There was issues around Medicare that were raised. There was an issue around, oh, there was a guy who just runs an organization that is concerned with neighborhoods feeling like neighborhoods. Like they are, are they're just invested in I guess, reinvigorating the idea that we're all neighbors and that if we could just start from that place that we're connected and that we're all neighbors, that that's a good starting place. So, I mean, you name it in terms of diversity, it was, it was all represented and it was, it was really interesting um, and felt good. I mean, just really good energy in the room. And yeah. so what we did was go through a list of what's called the 14 steps for moral fusion organizing. So it's these 14 almost bullet points that, um, that explain what moral fusion organizing is, what it looks like and what the goals are. So if, if you want to hear an example. Yes, let's hear it. Yeah. So number one is engage in indigenously led grassroots organizing across the state. And, and then it gives further information. So it says, a sustained movement depends on local people who know one another and are committed to working together for the long haul. National leaders or crises do not sustain a moral movement. 
small groups of people must regularly meet and act in their home communities. So that's yes. an example of the yeah the list of the different kinds of of things that they want to highlight and make sure that are the core of the movement. So it's it's really interesting, right? It's multi-issue, obviously, and um, it's about building. I was going to say cohesion, but I'm like, I don't know that that is the word that they would use mm-hmm. because it isn't about. I feel well, maybe this is my own impression of what cohesion means, but it isn't about kind of anybody sort of compromising. It's about building, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. What this is making me think of is um, this panel I'm going to be moderating on Saturday at this event called Unified Jam. And the title of the panel is Persuasion, Inspiration, and Activation. And I've been able to talk to two of the panelists ahead of time to get a sense of the work that they do. And one of the guys that I talked to, Aaron, he does a lot with comms and field work. And it was interesting because he talked about how... um, our elections are on cycles. They're like two-year cycles, and that's when people get really activated, and then they kind of like go about go back to their day-to-day lives. And the problem with that is we don't maintain the momentum, which is kind of what it sounds like this um, group is sort of trying to counteract because that continual checking in and connection and relationship building is really important to maintain momentum and keep people engaged and, and tied in. So that's kind of like the connections I'm making, and I totally see the value in in that. Well, speaking of Claire, let me read you (laughs) number eight, which is build transformative long-term coalition relationships rooted in a clear agenda that doesn't measure success only by electoral outcomes. And so then it says, fusion coalitions are not simple transactions where I support your issue if you support mine. We must learn how our issues intersect in a comprehensive moral agenda that demands transformation of everyone, not least of us. But, and yeah, so there's a lot of talking about building a movement and not anything being, you know, short term, but being Mm -hmm. long term. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was interesting when I was talking to Aaron, because what came to mind in that conversation was, and also hearing you talk about this meetup, how the idea I'm assuming is like a weekly check-in, how in Texas, our uh, political representation, it's basically Republicans who run the state at many, many levels. Um, And it doesn't really reflect the electorate necessarily and what most Texans, the priorities most Texans want to see. And we're, we talked about this in a podcast episode, how we're seeing a lot more Christian nationalism creep in. And, you know, you have to scratch your head and wonder, like, what's going on here? Well, it's rural voters who come out and vote. And a lot of them are spending a lot of their time in their churches meeting on that weekly basis and having that coalition building maybe it's less formal but they're talking about politics maybe not so explicitly but it is definitely a part of the culture and they have such a leg up because they are doing that yeah yeah the way it's so organically built into their lifestyle Mm -hmm. right where this is requiring 
I was going to say more intention. I hope that doesn't have any connotations, but you know. Yeah. And not to say that um, people who go to church vote for policies that are bad. Not at all. Like there's some churches doing incredible work in the social justice space and for civil rights and see that as a necessity for a strong democracy. And there are churches that are Christian nationalists, and and that's what they hear from the pulpit. So I think it's important to keep that in mind and also just be very aware of it, because I think a lot of us are just kind of blind to it. It's very insidious rhetoric, but um, just pay attention a little bit more. Yes, no doubt. I know. I think there was, I was looking for something in here where they talk about, oh, here it is. Build a coalition of moral and religious leaders of all faiths. They definitely want this to be inclusive. Mm -hmm. So- yeah. Since the common ground among faiths can stand firm against divide and conquer strategies of extremists. We must be intentional about reaching out to marginalized groups in our states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Right. Like everyone needs to be part of the coalition. You, you can't dismiss certain groups of people because they don't get it. Like they're always welcome when they're ready. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a really well, and it ended with a song, ah. <laughs> which, yeah, this woman named Lisa pulled out her guitar and, you know, good old folk music. I felt like, oh, I wonder if this is what it felt like, you know, in the '60s activist organizations when we know folk music played such a huge role in in those movements, and we sang, uh, "Woke up this morning with my mind stayed on freedom." And uh, yeah, it was very uplifting and full of good spirit and helped everybody in the room bond. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was really, it was really great. It felt, it was an interesting feeling because it almost felt like a throwback, but it also felt very current and present. So Mm -hmm. it was really unique. I was glad to be there. So what are the next steps? So next steps are that they... They're still building their structure. Um, my understanding is that they are looking to have monthly meetings, coordinating meetings. Um, I'm not sure, and I'm not sure that they're sure, although I could be wrong, exactly what those will look like, but they're still sort of building that coordinating committee. And so to have monthly meetings of that coordinating committee and then just keep building out from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing I'll share that came to mind when you were talking about how there were people there from all walks of life and some with like very strong points of views and particular issues is another person who I talked to for the panel. I will be moderating Persuasion, Inspiration and Activation. Um, His name was Yossi. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, his whole organization is about communication and messaging and communicating in a way that meets people where they are. So they do a lot of work in gifts and memes, which like, I love that. That's like my love. Like, that's how I talk to my people. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the whole idea is like, if you are going into your like giffy search bar or whatever, and you put in abortion, that ones come up that aren't like murder or whatever, but to have like a more balance or like guns, you know, like take your guns away. I don't know. Okay. I don't, I have no idea what comes up for guns, but to have like 
uh, more progressive. You're getting controversial over here. I know. Right? Here I go. (laughs) More progressive messaging. Okay. So anyway, he said what's important is that organizations, while they might be grounded in food insecurity or in common sense gun reform, are saying the same message across the board when like a big cultural moment hits. So like if the Dobbs, like when the Dobbs decision came down, that they're all messaging the same way to reinforce that we stand sort of united in social justice and freedom of choice and these kinds of things. So I was like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea because they can get very siloed, these organizations. And um, if you have that, what was the word he used? Like cross-pollination, that it, it helps build that bigger, broader movement, which maybe it sounds like they're trying to do. Um, agreed. Yes. And they definitely even talk about using social media on this list too. Yeah. So yeah, it's a real recognition of how people communicate and how information gets out and wanting to be at the front end of that and a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's good. It sounds like they're doing great stuff and I'll have to check it out next time they have a meeting and hopefully yes. I won't have a kid's birthday party or something. <laughs> well, there is life, right? <laughs> life definitely um, creates issues. Um, yeah. Well, okay. And so maybe we'll leave it with this, which is that they also on this piece of paper that they handed out that has this amazing list, they have a web address called breachrepairers.org, which is such a mouthful. So we will make sure to put that in the episode notes. But it is breachrepairers.org, which has more information. That is not Austin specific. That's the larger movement. But it does give you an understanding of what they are a part of, which is a national movement. And then also I have asked his name is Jack. I've asked him permission to share his email address with listeners who are interested in learning more. If they want to be a part of the coordinating committee or come to meetings or whatever that might look like, I've asked him if we can share his email address. When I get permission, I will absolutely share that. So if that interests you at all and you're listening, definitely email us and I will make sure to give you that information. Yes, sounds great. All right, folks. Well, check out our show notes. We're going to have some important information there and keep tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Thank you everybody for joining me, Nicole Abshire and my co-host Claire Campos O'Neill on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com where you'll find links to all of our social media and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks everybody and have a good one.